galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Whether you're a warrior of the Legiones Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or just a mere mortal in a universe of madness, you'll find a place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Remembrancer's Retreat podcast, a Warhammer 30k and Specialist Games podcast. My name is Jesse and I'm here today with Stephen, Will, Austin, and Dave. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Good. I feel like I want to fight somebody after listening to that song. Right? Yeah. Ah, I've been going so good. I've been going crazy. Like, let me just do something, change with the podcast. Like, new music. There we go. But, uh, new yeah. Year, new podcast. That's right. That's right. Um, guys, can I, uh, can I make a suggestion? What's that? Can, can we just do a do over year and just call next year 2020 as well? Like, we all stay the same age. Yeah. And <laughs> let's just 2020 as this well. Because, uh, from the record. Yeah, let's listen again. Let's listen. Let's forget about this one, guys. Because so what man. you're saying is, with 2020 hindsight, you'd like to just redo the year. Oh, damn! Yes, yeah, that was pretty good. No, yeah, I'd be down with it. Just although I did see a horrifying meme, and it's the guy like getting real excited with the first one, and the next panel he's dismayed, <laughs> and it's 1231. 2020 and the guy's all excited at midnight and then it rolls over to 13 1 2020 <laughs> yeah but here we are i'm a little worried that'll happen uh, yeah at this point anything can it's true but uh here we are uh, i got a few things to talk about tonight uh to tonight we have uh a listener voicemail with some questions regarding some dreadnoughts uh, Dave and Steven want to talk about a little bit about their Titanicus game. And uh, first and foremost, let's talk about uh, what we've been up to. Uh, let's, let's start with Will. Let's put you on the spot, Will. Uh, I've been painting some Ultramarines, my man. That's, uh, that's pretty much it. That and turning boys into meat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Turning boys into meat. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, just uh, <laughs> nothing ominous about that. Marines. Yeah, I do not it's know what you man. mean. Yeah, nothing, I feel like I should be calling some hotline. <laughs> uh, Austin, how, what, do you, what uh, about you? Yeah, that's all I got, man. Okay. What about you, Austin? Uh, I have done nothing hobby related in the past week. Um, we're currently fostering a litter of five kittens who have no mom. And they're adorable, but also all of my life right now. <laughs> Understood. Um, Five cats. That's was, a lot. Yeah. That's I was actually lot. working last week. So like between work and kittens, there wasn't really any time for hobby, which has me sad. Um, but, you know, I'm off this week because of the Rona. So uh, we'll see where it goes. Probably I got that big uh, chapel that I'm painting up. And I finally got my hands on some spray paint so I can actually start painting it up. Nice. Instead of building it. Um, and then I got some rhinos that are missing parts that are going to become wrecks for Jared's game. So, who knows? Very cool. Myself, I, um, 
I haven't really done much. I have slowly began the process of putting bases on my uh, Cenobites. Um, I didn't go with the Force like I mentioned last time. I actually found a box of Sector Mechanicus bases. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and use these. And uh, followed a Duncan tutorial, but instead of using green, I used gray. And I'm pretty happy with them, so I'm in the process of that. Uh, who wants to go next? Steven, Dave? Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> so I've been uh, I've been getting some games in, uh, you know, definitely following all gu- guidelines for social distancing. Um, but uh, but you can definitely game in the age of uh, coronavirus. It's just you gotta you gotta do it kind of outside or in a garage. But um, yeah, but doing some Adeptus Titanicus games and. It's been really fun, sort of scratching the itch, and I've been putting together the next series of um, Heresy Grad School uh, episodes, which are going to be um, in the scouring of Nostromo, which is, it's, it's fucking mind-blowing, man, for so many different reasons. Uh, I won't get into it right here, but if you guys want to listen to the last episode we recorded on uh, Heresy Grad School, sort of an intro syllabus episode. I think you guys will sort of pick up on um, why that's so unique and such a, a special opportunity. And we're going to sort of peel back the onion on that a little bit. But I've been doing a lot of reading. Uh, I've been getting into some Inferno. Um, so Inferno used to be sort of the monthly magazine that, that GW published. Um, it's come back now in sort of more like a like a, a novella format. format. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been really getting into some of the short stories in Inferno. There's some really good ones. Um, I just, it's, I, I really like that format. And uh, I think it lends itself to kind of a shorter, darker, um, more tragic telling of the, uh, of the 41st millennia. Nice. Every once in a that's, while. That's yeah. mostly focused on Warhammer 40K and Sigmar, right? Yeah, I feel like it's equally divided between, um, yeah, the Age of Sigmar and then 40K. But you get some smattering of um, Necromunda. You get a smattering of, uh, I think they did a first telling of Warcry on this oh, last okay. one. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. So it's not just 40K and... Sigmar, it's also um, some of the other specialist game ranges, but hopefully they'll keep expanding that. Gotcha. Very cool. Steven? I have been finally putting on my big boy pants and painting this um, Space Hulk to be used for the Battlefleet Heresy event at Nova. Um, Hopefully it will get to actually make it to the table for the event. And... uh, Nova won't be closed down, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, but other than that, not a not a whole heck of a lot. Kind of been stalled out on Hobby Mojo for the most part. Yeah, it's it's been a weird past few weeks. I've been usually I just when I go to base, I'll base them all at one sitting. But this time, I think I have three guys on bases. It's like I have the bases ready. I just got to glue them on. Oh. But for some reason, it's just like I can't do this <laughs> yeah, yeah if you had told that, me that happened was um carol got those bases to me so i can start basing these ultramarines too. yes and they look really good by the way let her know that definitely 
Yeah, if you had told me before all this started that like you're going to end up at home without uh, really much to do for several months and you're not going to paint anything, <laughs> I'd have been like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> that sounds pretty. Uh, yeah. pretty I mean, you gotta point. you gotta paint something. I did. I painted something. I primed, based, and uh, dry brushed the Space Hulk. So that's a week's worth of work. It's a big Space Hulk. Yeah, unfortunately I mean, for me, that is a big Space Hulk. It's true. Still had to pretty much work from home the entire time, and I, I'm still getting used to my new position. So it's like, man, I, <laughs> I don't know exactly what amount of work is expected of me. So I've just been sitting at my desk doing work and eh, we'll see. I didn't get much hobby done during this time. So, but it is what it is. So today guys, I know there's a few things we want to talk about, but I'd like to get this voicemail out of the way first. Cause I think it's a pretty good discussion we can have out of this. This is actually from one of our Patreon listeners or Patreon. Yeah. Patreon supporters. Garrett Lowe, he left us a voicemail. Long story short is uh, he's acquiring some Death Guard, but a lot of dreadnoughts with that Death Guard. So we're going to play that right now. Hey, guys. It's uh, Garrett Lowe uh, leaving a message here for you. Um, perhaps uh, something for uh, a rules discussion. The question is somewhat based in a rules headspace, um, but there's a lot of opinion mixed in there. So um, I just recently acquired uh, a large uh, Death Guard force from a friend who uh, wanted to pay some bills and buy a new computer during this uh, coronavirus pandemic. So um, I haven't taken possession of the force yet uh, because of the pandemic, but... Um, very soon, hopefully, my already sizable Death Guard army will swell to an almost bloated, Nergalesque, mass, grotesque, <laughs> um, throbbing throng of a horde. Um, and I now have a problem, although it's a good problem, because I have an ungodly number of dreadnoughts. <clears throat> so once I take possession... Of these new models, I'll have like three castiferums, uh, probably like eight or nine, um, contemptor chassis, a Derrideo, and two leviathans. Um, also thrown in is a absolutely gorgeous, uh, mortificator console. So naturally, um, my headspace went to how do I incorporate all these dreadnoughts or, you know, a large portion of the dreadnoughts into a force when I'm able to play games again. So my question to the podcast is, um, you know, barring Fury of the Ancients, because, I mean, that would be sort of the, the lazy answer would be Fury of the Ancients, which I don't want to pursue for a couple of good reasons. Um, Rules-wise, Fear of the Ancients just doesn't work, right? If you, I mean, not that, not that winning is an important thing, but, um, a game, I'm of the opinion that a game is always better if <laughs> the forces are somewhat, um, viable, 
right? I don't want to go into a game knowing that I'm going to lose. And I think Fear of the Ancients sets the bar so low um, from just a rules perspective that it sort of invalidates it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and also from a fluff perspective, too, like I sort of understand what Alan or whoever specifically came up with that right of war was going for with the HQ requirement, and I can two Leviathans. He then cut off because there's a three-minute limit on voicemail, so he called back again for the rest of his uh, question. Anyway, so yeah, from a fluff perspective, I can I can appreciate the Forge Lord, you know, being in there, the Tech Marine being in the list because you'd almost want a Tech Marine, right, with a bunch of Dreadnoughts, but why would a bunch of Dreadnoughts want an Apothecary marching alongside them? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So my question is, Ignoring Fear of the Ancients, how best do I use the Dreadnoughts? What right of war and what army construction should I be looking at? My gut tells me um, to just take as many Dreadnoughts as I can and pay, you know, the two tactical squad bare-bones tactical unit tax and just try to jam as many chassis in there as possible, but... Um, beyond that, I didn't really have any good, good ideas. So just wanted you guys to sort of think about that. And if you have any good, um, ideas, by all means, throw them my way or maybe, uh, discuss on the podcast. Um, thanks a lot, guys. You're really hitting it out of the park with, uh, content right now. And it's, you know, it's really enjoyable to have good podcasts to listen to during this time where, you know, we don't have, uh, we don't have our usual pursuits uh, outside of home to uh, enjoy. So much appreciated, and we'll talk to you later. Okay, thanks. Thank you for your question and the kind words, Garrett. So I've been the... thinking about this since I saw it, right? And then Austin came in here and fucked with my brain. So what I had planned is irrelevant now. Brings up some good stuff. I am in your meat space, but I will defer to Stephen. It's the only person here with more dreadnoughts uh, than our caller is going to have. So, uh, he's right. Fury of the Ancients does kind of set a real low bar for for losing before the game even starts. Um, The victory point penalty is real, real hurtful. But um, it's important to note... That and, and what is it, just for people that aren't familiar? If you lose a Dreadnought of any kind, Castroferum, Derideo, Leviathan, Contemptor, Cordus Contemptor, Mortis, anything, uh, you give up a victory point to the enemy. The enemy gets one victory point. So, um, for instance, in my list, I have my Iron Warriors Fury list has uh, 17 Dreadnoughts in it. <clears throat> And even if I do really well, I play the objectives, I get my secondary victory points, um, but I just get mauled and I lose 10, 10 dreadnoughts, that's 10 victory points that the enemy has scored right there. Um, and a couple times that's has been what happens where I've you know tried to stay on objectives. I've mostly won all the individual fights that I get into, but I lose so many dreadnoughts in the process that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really, really, really want to hurt yourself, uh, you can play Dark Angels, Fury of the Ancients, and just 
get the double whammy from Covenant of Death and losing Dreadnoughts. <laughs> I mean, you might as well just double down. Yeah, so. Um, but I did, so uh, I based on his assertion of Death Guard, I uh, wrote up a little list. Now, there's no points values that have been set, and you'll, you'll figure out why in a second. Um, but first things first, and that's that uh, a list that comprises mostly dreadnoughts is three things. And the first thing is inefficient. Uh, like any vehicle, dreadnoughts are susceptible to just being one-shotted by lucky las cannons, melta weapons. Um, it's a lot of points tied up in a single unit. So right off the bat, if you want to make a quote-unquote good dreadnought list, you're starting with an uphill battle. Um, it's kind of like making an army entirely of tanks. Like you, you might you might find some inefficiency there. Uh, secondly, no, never. <laughs> shut up, Iron Wing. <laughs> uh, secondly, the list is probably going to be hard as nails, and that's why there's no point value to this. Uh, because you need to keep things flexible. Because if your opponent doesn't know that you're bringing a whole bunch of dreadnoughts, they likely don't have enough AT to deal with more than two or three vehicles, and they're probably going to struggle against your list. Um, as we've always said, as Will will tell you 50,000 times until he's blue in the face, that you should always have a talk with your opponent about what kind of game you want to have before you actually play. So you need to be able to adjust accordingly. Um, Sure, you can fit 17 Dreadnoughts into 3,000 points, but is that necessarily the kind of game you want to play if your opponent isn't ready to fight 17 Dreadnoughts? It's, uh, you'll be starved for scoring units, so tabling your opponent is likely the key to victory, and it doesn't matter if you win if no one wants to play with you again. Um, but most importantly, a list made almost entirely of Dreadnoughts is cool as fuck. Uh, dreadnoughts are awesome and they're so full of character and any time that you're putting more than six on the table is a good time as far as i'm concerned so what do you actually build with the list well right off the bat the mortifactor shines Uh, this guy is your source of uber dreadnoughts and he's your key to bringing lots of them Uh, because he brings so you take the mortifactor and then he gets a posse of two to five dreadnoughts, either box dreadnoughts, um, Levi- not Leviathans, uh, Contemptors, or Cordus Contemptors. And I think he can take Mortises with him, but I'm not sure why you'd want to. Uh, so because of his ability to make dreadnoughts more durable, more killy, and more numerous, the Mortifactor is your, is your star player. Uh, or more accurately, all his little dreadnought friends are. So he's going to be what you use to single out and kill high-value targets like other Death Stars and Lords of War. Uh, You can make all the Dreadnoughts shooty if you want, but the real value of a Mortifactor is that he boosts the Dreadnoughts' close combat ability. Um, He gives them that 5-up feel-no-pain all the time, and uh, most Dreadnoughts start to suffer when it comes to their saves in close combat. Uh, Gaining Shred and Sunder as well makes them a huge threat to just about anything on the table. Five Dreadnoughts coming at you, re-rolling their failures to wound and their failures to pin. It's it's scary. Um, Does that Sunder affect only their close combat attacks or also their ranged weapons? Uh, close combat. Okay. Yeah, if, so the Dreadnoughts can fight different targets. 
Mm-hmm. But if two or more attack the same target, then they get shred and sunder. Gotcha. Uh, really, you're probably only fighting one unit at a time, a, a unit of Terminators, a knight. You've somehow managed to catch a Bane Blade, and now you're just pulling it apart. <laughs> uh, Cortis Contemptors are the tempting go-to choice here because they have natural close combat ability. They have a lower price than their um, Contemptor cousins. Their lack of shield saves on arcs other than the front is mitigated by the fact that the Mortifactor gives them that 5-up save. Um, Classic Contemptors are my choice because they have a 5-up all around, which gives them basically the 6-up save in combat and then the 5-up save from the Feel No Pain, Mm -hmm. uh, the quote-unquote Feel No Pain. Uh, And they don't have to push their reactors to get weapon skill 5. They're just weapon skill 5 right off the bat. Um, And if you want to be thrifty, especially considering that you already have three box dreadnoughts, there's something to be said for the classic Castroferum. Most people don't like them, certainly not in close combat, because they don't have a save. They can be killed by uh, massed crack grenades. But the Mortifactor gives them a save. They have a lower price, and they're still weapon skill 5. So, you know, you give them fists and heavy flamers or plasma blasters or the flamestorm cannon and you charge them into one thing and they're just going to roll through it. Um, They might catch some attacks on the return, but they'll probably be able to see their way through it. Uh, Secondly, you're going to want a Master of the Legion. Uh, Because you're playing Death Guard, what I suggest is taking the Reaping Rite of War. So you need a Master of Legion for that. Uh, and you might ask, why the Reaping? So after you're done bringing the bare minimum of troops that everyone knows that you're going to have to bring to do this, which in this case will be just two bare-bones tactical squads, uh, which clocks in at about 250 points, you can now bring heavy support squads in your troop choices. And these guys are important because they allow your Dreadnoughts to forego the expensive anti-tank options and focus instead on punching things, which is what they're best at. Uh, So you can take like a couple of five-man squads of heavy weapons, and you've got covering fire with... You can either mass up on autocannons to try and like plink down light armor. You can do missile launchers to be able to do both flyers, light armor, maybe hit heavy armor if you luck out. Or if you just want to destroy everything in sight, you can go for las cannons. Um, But more importantly... They keep your limited heavy support slots free for your Derideo Dreadnought and your two Leviathans. Um, a Herald or a Delegatus is a good choice for this role. Uh, as, again, you got to keep them cheap because the objective is to get as many points into Dreadnoughts as possible. Um, I think the Herald is the better choice because he cannot be the Warlord because of the Support Officer rule, which means that you can make that frontline Mortifactor your Warlord he can get a useful Warlord trait, and he can then give them to his Dreadnought posse. Um, It also makes Slay the Warlord harder to get, because no one really wants to go for Slay the Warlord when you have to throw down with five Dreadnoughts to get it. I don't know what kind of third HF, uh, if you want to take one at all. The best choice is something that can support those heavy support squads while they're laying down the heavy shooting for your Dreadnoughts. A Master of Signal, a Siege Breaker. If you want even more 
dreadnoughts, and why wouldn't you? You can bring another Mortifactor and just bring another thing to be said for the Forge Lord as well. Not as a means of staying with the dreadnoughts and making sure they're working, because honestly, your uh, Mortifactor can do that on his own. But if you give him a conversion beamer and stick him in some weird corner of the table, now you have a really long-range, high-powered gun that recourse to remove before he dies. Uh, in your troop slot, we've already discussed that you're just going to put two tacticals in there. You're going to use heavy support squads in there. Uh, the tacticals you should be using to screen those heavy support squads so that nobody charges them. Or if somebody deep strikes on them, you can just hose them down with bolter fire from Fury of the Legion. And maybe if you find at the end of building your list, you've got 20 points left over, 15 points left over, something that you don't really know what to do with, just put another body or two in those uh, tactical squads. Which now brings you to the fun part, your elites. You have four elite slots to fiddle around with, which means in a perfect world, you have four talons of three dreadnoughts for a total of 12 dreadnoughts. I know that you said you have eight contemptors, um, but I assume that you're going to want to start filling those out eventually if you're a dreadnought man, and you sound like a dreadnought man. Uh, so your points should be centered around maxing out this number as efficiently as possible. Uh, contemptors and Cortis Contemptors are plenty deadly without extra points being spent on them. Like, I think it's 135 for a Contemptor Dreadnought, or maybe 100 and... Yeah, I'm fairly certain it's 135. And that's just with the fist and a heavy bolter. Uh, I thought it was 175. 175. Is it 135 for Cortises? I think that's... Yeah, I think that's... that's Yes, Cortis are 135. Standard are 175. And that's for basic loadout of the heavy bolter and power fist, not the chain fist. Yep. Now I'm sorry, technically dreadnought close combat weapon. Yeah, quote unquote. Uh, Now that fist and heavy bolter combo is humble. Uh, It's, you know, strength, uh, three strength five AP four hits with the gun, and then you've got a strength 10 power fist. But it's surprisingly effective when you just mass them onto a target. Every contemptor in my Iron Warriors list has the fist and bolter combo, and I will just hose down one target with heavy bolters until it can't fight back anymore, and then I move on to the next target. It takes about one shooting phase a turn to reduce an infantry squad to combat and effectiveness against dreadnoughts. Um, But if you want, you can switch those out with autocannons, and that's assuming that you're not just going to run them all with fists, because they are really good with all fists. But it is my opinion that out of 12 Dreadnoughts, only three or four should be fully kitted out for close combat. One Power Fist, one Chain Fist, a Heavy Flamer, or two. Um, when you're f- kitting out those punchy Dreadnoughts, remember that you're already going to have several running around with your Mortifactor, and they're better at punching things because they're with him. Uh, at least one of your Dreadnoughts, two at best, uh, or two preferably, should be fitted out with a way to thin out two-up armor targets. So a plasma cannon, uh, carries cannons, stuff like that. And if you somehow still have points for dreadnoughts by the time you fill out a Mortifactor posse and your elite slots, your heavy support is where the rest of your dreadnoughts going to go. Uh, this is your Derideo and your Leviathans. Uh, since you have all three and only eight Contemptors, you'll probably be able to max out your elites with Contemptors and still have room 
for the Leviathans and the Derideo. Uh The Derideo is a good close support unit. It can thin stuff out with the autocannons and the plasma loadout, but it can also do really heavy damage to heavy armor with the heavy LAS cannon array. I said heavy a lot there, um, but Jesse uses it. Will loves it. Everyone loves the LAS cannon. It's great. Um, I wouldn't worry about carapace mounts for it unless you're going to buy missiles. Uh, because the Adamantic Pavise does not benefit Dreadnoughts, which is super sad. Uh, your Leviathans, on the other hand, uh, are pretty much exclusively close support. Uh, most people like to pod in there should be a Lord of War option into the enemy lines and watch it cause panic. But since you're playing the Reaping, you can't deep strike anything. Uh, the good news is, is that's going to save you 100 points per pod. The bad news is, is that your Leviathan will have to walk all the way up to the enemy before it can engage them. Uh, but if you've got another, you know, eight Contemptors, three Box Dreads with a Mortifactor, you should be able to screen that Leviathan and his friend pretty well. And even if a couple of hits get through, they've got a four-up invuln and four hole points. They're going to be fine, unless they explode. Uh, in those cases, give them one gun, because Leviathans are really good in close combat. And pretty much always take the Discharger. Um, but that's mostly my scheme for a how to make Dreadnoughts good without using Fury of the Ancients. And I got to prep you guys with these questions more often. Good talk. Well, that was super <laughs> thorough. That was, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good. So um, I, uh, first, I want to say, yeah. I want to say, I totally agree with Steven. When he talks about if you're bringing a shit ton of dreadnoughts, you need to talk to somebody first because it, it'll just be ridiculous, especially for not using Fury of the Ancients and the guys, you know, you're playing a 3000 point game and he's got, you know, two, three sources of anti-tank and you bring 17 dreadnoughts. Somebody's not going to have a fun time uh, and it'll probably wind up being both of you. That being said, uh, you can get real ridiculous with these Mortifactor consoles that they've just put out. Uh, and I've actually done a little thinking um, for two very different lists. Uh, the first is real, really the more ridiculous of the two. It's a Primarch's chosen list. And in 2,500 points, as Death Guard, you can bring Morty, your boy, uh, two five-man Terminator squads, because let's face it, if you're trying to max out your Dreadnoughts and you're also bringing a Primarch, you're not playing objectives. You want to see things go to Smash Face. Uh, then you take two of those lovely Mortificants, Mortar right? Mortifactors. More mortifactors. mortifactors. Everybody starts with an M nowadays. And it drives me crazy. Yes, you take two Mortifactors, each with four Cortis Contemptors, uh, and a couple of regular Dreadnoughts uh, with uh, you know either dual missile launchers or some LAS cannons or something to get you a little anti-tank, because you'll be weirdly lacking ranged anti-tank in this list. And that's 2,500 points, and is a legal list. I can't imagine ever like showing up to an event with that unless it was some mega battle thing because it would be hilarious um 
but I say I I super enjoyed playing Steven's Fury of the Ancients list with my more or less bog standard militia army. Uh, so, you know, if you want to just have one of those dumb Dreadnought fights and throw a bunch of cool stuff on the table, that's one fun way of doing it. But then I got to thinking about how I would want to run a ton of Dreadnoughts. And, dear listeners, you know me. I love the Guard. And that naturally led me to the Sacrificial Offering, Rite of War. <laughs> oh, I like where this is going. <laughs> Which... So, you, I, and I kind of envision 3,000 points because that's kind of the standard, you know, that's a standard game we like to play uh, over here anyway for 30k. So, Sacrificial Offering Rite of War is you must have an allied militia detachment. So that would be your force commander. Uh, you can give them, you know, whatever you want, but I like... Uh, Alchem Jackers for this, because they'll be stubborn when they're in their own deployment zone, but Alchem Jacker, like, stubborn only gets you so far with Militia, because they're leadership six or seven only. Um, and that just doesn't get the job done. But with Alchem Jackers, they'll go to ground instead of falling back when they inevitably get blown to shit, and that's super fun. So I'd take two troops and just the regular infantry, and that's 40 bodies for your mainly Dreadnought list, because, you know, Dreadnought lists have a problem with bodies. You've got your lovely Force Commander. Um, probably some heavy artillery. You know, get get some uh, artillery batteries in there for your one heavy support choice. Because, again, if you're trying to max out Dreadnoughts, you tend not to have a lot of heavy weapons on your Dreadnoughts, right? Like, they come stock a lot of like heavy bolters and, chain, and power fists and whatnot. Uh, and that'll give you some nice artillery to sit there and do some damage early game because all your Space Marine stuff has to be in reserves. Uh, and then for Elites, I kind of go back and forth, but it would probably be Medics just to give a little more survivability to your poor bloody infantry that are out there on their own. And, uh... Ooh, Sorry. And then a lovely Thunderbolt as your fast attack. Uh, and that's really just to max out as many points as possible in the Militia Allied Detachment, because I love them. So that's the Militia part of this. Then you start piling on Dreadnoughts. And it gets real fun, because the other fun thing uh, with Sacrificial Offering is... All models in the primary detachment gain the outflank special rule and must begin the game held in reserve. So, uh, that lovely Mortifactor plus four Cortis Dreadnoughts, or four, I'm sorry, four regular Contemptors, that, like, mailed fist of nasty death is 775 points. Now, as Steven said, they can all target different things. Uh, even though they're one unit, which for this seems the better option rather than trying to take a bunch of individual talents of Dreadnoughts, uh, just because they'll either all be there or not all be there, right? One of the big problems Reserve Armies has is that if you trickle in, you're doomed. Because if you got to blow up, you know, one Dreadnought a turn, because that's all that's coming in from Reserves, 
you're never going to achieve anything in life. Uh, however, if you start, you know, a couple of bare bones tactical squads to make troops, and then this guy's running around outflanking, it just gets real rude. So I thought, take one of those. And then I thought, take another one of those, because that's hilarious and ridiculous. And uh, so both of those, oh, damn. Oops. I did my math a little wrong. I. Uh, Oops. So one is a unit of four, one will be a unit of three. Then you have a couple of just regular box threads, uh, which, like Steven said, they're not everybody's favorite, you know. They don't scream 30k to a lot of people, but they were there, they exist, and they're dirt cheap and can take heavy weapons. Uh, so I would throw the heavy weapons on these guys running around on their own. Uh, probably just double missile launcher, because they're outflanking, you're going to get side shots on everything. You know, unless there's a bunch of AV-14, you don't need to worry about it. Uh, and if there is AV-14, that's what your Medusas with Siegebreaker shells are for. Uh, so you have a couple of those out flanking in. Uh, plus eight, so that's uh, ten Dreadnoughts in a 3,000 point list. All of which are out flanking. Is real ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's ten Dreadnoughts, or I'm sorry, uh, nine Dreadnoughts, because we had to drop one of the contemporaries. Nine Dreadnoughts, uh, 20 TAC Marines, 40 regular militia, uh, three Siegebreaker batteries, a Thunderbolt. Yeah, it's shenanigans. <laughs> Again, none of none of these lists should be taken without informing your opponent, I'm, hey, I'm going to be real ridiculous today. Uh, and, uh, but it seems super funny. Yeah. Austin, why are we not playing doubles with Dreadnoughts and Mortals? <laughs> Well, Stephen, because 2020 was the year of the rat, yeah. and then the plague god played us. Yep. <laughs> and also, we before to, we, we uh, too into it, before we get any hate mail, yes, we <laughs> we know it is pronounced mortificator. We know there are two eyes in there, but we just say mortifactor because it's is it? easier. There's two quick. eyes. There's two. Da, damn it, Stephen! Yes. Damn it, Stephen! I was trying to make us look smart. What the I, fuck? I've already admitted to not being able to pronounce the name. It's fine. It's Look, fine. If, if the people are going to start complaining about us mispronouncing things, they need to start way, way back with that Cy Arcana episode. Oh, <laughs> give me flashbacks. Damn, just went right there. <laughs> anyway, but oh. yeah. awesome so, yeah, list. That's, that's my two fun shenanigan lists for uh, piles of dreadnoughts. Gotcha. Piles Will, you got anything to add? Piles of dreadnoughts. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and, and read mine off. It's pretty standard. There's nothing tricksy about it or anything like that. Um, so, to start off, this all my whole list depends on if the Mortificator uh, is a compulsory HQ or not. Can you guys verify that he is? Yeah, he is. You can take him. Yeah. Okay, good. He doesn't have support officer. So, <clears throat> you're not going to use the right of war. You're going to take the Mortificator with five Cortis Contemptor Dreadnoughts, and they're all going to be armed. No upgrades. Nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, then I have three tactical squads with no upgrades, all in Rhinos. Mm -hmm. uh, the Rhinos, because their footprint will be smaller, and it'll provide them a little bit of better protection. And they end up being cheaper than any other troop at that point with no upgrades. Uh, then we move on to Elites, and we have the Castor Ferrum Dreadnoughts. 
I've given these twin missile launchers just so they can kind of sit back since they don't, they don't have as much, you know, front armor to really be that much better in combat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is their weapon options are, are relatively uh, decently priced considering the chassis themselves are cheap, right? Sure. Um, then we move on to uh, a second elite, which is a standard Contemptor Dreadnought Talon. Again, these have no upgrades. Uh, heavy support is a Derradeo with the bog standard auto cannons, and then the last heavy support is two Leviathan dreadnoughts. Each Leviathan has got twenty points worth of upgrades. However, you want to do that, so you can give it one melee weapon and one of the special weapons, or a storm cannon and a siege drill. However, you want, but only twenty points allocated. Uh, this whole list is two thousand nine hundred and ninety-five points for all that. So. Hmm. Yeah, and you're getting everything like the the mortificator, like Steven said, is going to be your warlord. So all those coordinates are going to be there with him. Um, and there's going to be there's going to be so much shit on here. Nobody's going to pay attention to your rhinos, and you have three of them, so you still can win an objective game, and you can still smash people to death with all the dreadnoughts too. I like it. So yeah, that's my man. That's that's it. Just very simple and simple brutal. Standard. It does exactly what what Death Guard do, which is advance indomitably towards the enemy's line. So that that was my theory on it anyways. I like it. Yeah, and the nice thing being is that with this guy's uh, army being so big, presumably he has so many options, is that uh, the temptation with the lots of dreadnoughts theme, be it uh, a rightless army, um, my reaping list, or Fury of the Ancients, is to do nothing but dreadnoughts, uh, and nothing but dreadnoughts is cool, but eight, eleven, twelve, fourteen dreadnoughts mixed in with other forces is probably like a perfect balance for a number of yeah, murderous cyborgs I've, and I feel dudes like with bolters. I feel like with Austin's list, for example. I don't think you would need to real. I mean, obviously, you still have your talk with your with your friend about the game you want to have, but I don't think anybody would turn that kind of game down because it is so well rounded with that infantry support. Um, you know, so that I mean, some of you got like I, I think both of you guys made much better lists than me because I was just doing as the whole boys before toys, except in this case, your boys were your toys. So <laughs> it can be know. both. Um, well, I think. Um... I think when a lot of people see the Dreadnought list across the table from them, very few of them are actually like, I don't know, man, that doesn't look like a lot of fun. Everyone that I've played with it has been like, hell yeah, let's throw down with all those Dreadnoughts. I want to see how many I can kill before you sweep me <laughs> off the table. Everybody loves Dreadnoughts. I, get tabled. I, th- I think it's yeah. safe to say everyone loves Dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts are the most sure. Warhammer thing in Warhammer. Except maybe Warlord Titans. Walking life support. They're so fucking cool. God. <laughs> Dave, you got anything to add to it? Drop pods, man. Just tons and tons of drop pods. And I know that you can't take that with uh, the reaping, but if I'm playing Dreadnoughts, that's the way I want to roll. Um, I want to use drop pod assault. I want to have... Yeah. And here's you know, the thing also, to go off of Dave, the whole Talon comes in at once. That's true. It counts as one drop. That so is true. three dreads we... coming in and at once. So did we establish that if you have two Masters of the Legion, you can take two Rites of War? No, you can... No, no. You no? 
Yeah, that was never a thing. Okay, I'm on drugs. All right. Even if even if they're in the Allied detachment, shenanigans. We're professional. Can the Allied detachment? Can the Allied detachment have a separate? Am I going crazy now too? Okay. Yes. It depends what right of war you're running. Some rights of war invalidate any other rights of war, but there are. Yeah. Because it would be hilarious if you took two Masters of the Legion and enough points to run both Orbital Assault and Fury of the Legion and just pot in every single Dreadnought. <laughs> it'd be expensive as hell, but it'd be cool. I mean, you wouldn't be able you wouldn't be able to combine. Well, it would be because th- well, no, so all your Dreadnoughts you would be troops. Anyway, yeah, all your Dreadnoughts would be troops, and then they could all take Dreadclaws. Well, what about a Drop Assault Vanguard? I don't think they blend like that, Stephen. I don't think. Right? No, you could well, do it that right, way. obviously. And he could still take eight, eight contemptors. Well, actually, you can just like a couple of need, talons. You don't need orbital assault to do it because if you just run Fury of the Ancients, dread, dreadnoughts can already take dreadclaws. You mean, don't need you don't need any red of war to do it. Drop pods come with drop pod assault, so half of your drop pods are going to. Well, come the trick is getting. Getting them as the dreadnoughts in pods, yeah. Right, right. Like That's they can't right. take they can take legion drop pods if you're a box dreadnought. So for thirty five points, contemptors need a dread claw or or a uh, dreadnought drop pod. And they can no longer then you're be in the regular ones. Three hundred points per dreadnought. But that's the tax expensive. you pay. That's the tax you pay True. to to a trip. Yeah, yeah. To so drop murderous to robots out of the sky. But because if you get drop assault vanguard. And then enemies within twelve, my only snapshot against them. You just come right up on them. What? Melt me. You won't. Is it? Does drop assault vanguard? Is that specific, a jump pack specify, one? Yeah, that's that's jump assault. But I don't know yeah. if it. Uh, you know what? I've got book six right here. I can look and see. But Dave's right, man. So like, the, seriously, the rules... given given dreads, a uh, oh, like for me, no. I would always say I would always say the dread claw. Is what I would use, right? Because yeah, that's a hundred. It's that's fifteen points more than a dreadnought drop pod. Plus, it, it's maneuverable. You can then be like, "Well, I need the dreadnought actually closer over here, and it's assault, so the dude can still get out and then tear faces apart." That's what I always did. I always dropped yeah. in drop pods or dropped in the dreadclaw outside of like retaliation range, then yeah. just jumped up close enough to drop them off and still charge. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, I, Dave, I take I, it back. That's a, that's a pretty good method, man. I like that. I take it back. Mm-hmm. That right of war can't have immobile units for some godforsaken. So you take dreadclaws, which aren't immobile. Fair point. Yeah, death from above. At least half of the legion assault squads in the army. I mean, well, dreadnought or drop pods aren't immobile. No, they become immobile when they land. Yeah, but them as themselves as a unit is not immobile, so you could still take them. Oh, you know what? They're not immobile. They just suffer an immobilized result as uh, soon as they open. Correct. They count as having been immobilized. Yeah. Are you sure well, about that? I'm, I'm nope, looking at nope. the... Uh, Special rules, drop pot assault, immobile, inertial guidance system. Oh well, yeah, they go. they are immobile themselves. Well, so then okay, I'm looking so at the uh, I'm sure looking at the claws. FAQ here. Oh, I got the That's red. True. Book. I'm looking at old books. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking at the FAQ PDF, and there's no uh, mention of immobile on these uh, on these stats. Hooray! <laughs> we were right all along. So yeah, you do have to. Well, okay. So <laughs> if you bring contemptors, which are the best dreadnoughts, so bring contemptors. 
and you take Dreadclaws for them, you're still looking at 300 points a Dreadnought. But Snapshots is nice. It's it's but funny, though. Also, Will's point is, is solid, though, because if you take them into Talon, which you want to do to maximize your elite choices or your heavy choices if you're taking Leviathans, Naturally. that whole Talon's coming in, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so crazy. And it's 1,000 points, more or less, just that's, in. that's so crazy <laughs> on the first turn to yeah. be like, I'm dropping three Dreadnoughts on you. And you oh, thought God. you had a different list. That was sacrifice offering instead, and suddenly people are just having bad times. So there is a point to drop Assault Vanguard, which is what Austin was suggesting using. And that's that the snapshots only apply to Legion Assault squads. Does because it? Because Legion... At least half of the Legion Assault squads in the army must always interplay using Deep Strike. At the beginning of the controlling player's turn, this quote-unquote Assault Vanguard may deploy all of its Legion Assault squads at once. Next point, Ugh. Dark of the Skies. In the mm. player turn after that, in which the Assault Vanguard deploys, enemy models within 12 inches may only fire snapshots. And dumb driver pods, yeah, can't be in the yeah. It's almost like the game. It's almost like the game designers <laughs> didn't want us to just drop pod dreadnoughts in mass. <laughs> Thought you were they sneaky. Say it, but I'm looking forward to that moment when it happens in fucking Siege of Terra. You oh. know, there's got to be a mass dreadnought shenaniganry. Well, there was in a. I mean, there was, but I want more. Okay, more fair. and better. <laughs> more dreadnoughts from the skies <laughs> man uh, i guess the blood angels got tired of not being able to do that so they just stuck a jet engine onto the back of a contemptor uh, which is just silly but such is life yeah it's dumb but i'm here for it yeah i mean that's 90 percent of the things in warhammer well that's really dumb but i'm about <laughs> it why does that church have legs right well, Garrett, uh, thank you so much for your question. I was uh, hope we uh, gave you some answers. Unless or anyone has anything else to Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick two-minute break, and then we'll be right back. And I think Stephen and Dave want to talk about their Titanicus game. Yeah. So we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to another podcast from the Remembrancers Retreat. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can also find our swag store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash RR30K podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at remembrancers underscore retreat. You can also visit our website RR30K.com for podcast updates and the Battlefleet Heresy Compendium. You can also leave us a voicemail for us to play on a future podcast at 1929-437-3791. That's 1929-HERESY1. And you can also leave us an email at the retreat at gmail.com. Thanks again. Would you like a shout-out on our podcast? Maybe discounts on our Teespring store? Maybe you'd like to vote for upcoming Heresy grad school topics? Hang out in a private Discord server? Or maybe even just getting a fun podcast sticker? If you're interested in any of that, consider becoming a patron. Patreon funds help for server costs and allow us to make cool content for you to enjoy. Patronage also helps us pay for projects such as our Nova Open Charitable Foundation Army, The Honored, an Ultramarine Zone Metallus Force will be up for charity raffle coming this year. 
If you're interested in getting in on the action, consider becoming a patron today at patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast. Thank you. Why have I never done that before? That was so easy. I don't know, dude. That was classy <laughs> as fuck. Uh, the miracles of technology. <laughs> uh, like a professional fucking podcast. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Don't scramble around for paper or look, go through a bunch of different uh, web addresses. But, uh, yeah, and now also, we have a commercial break. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And uh, before we also... It's great. Before we continue on, I would like to uh, thank, for the month of May, our patrons, Mr. Alex Self our top-tier patron, our Praetor-tier, Chris Mack, Jacob Dillon, Garner.Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Josh Phillips, Matthew Boyce, Mr. Baldwick, and Nicholas Quenga. Thank you all. In our Centurion-tier, we have Andrew N., Angry Boy, Black Label Painting, John Christensen, M. Hernandez, Mark Henry, and Scott LeMay. And finally, our uh, Sergeant-tier, we have Aaron Maynard, Duncan, Emily O'Hare, Garrett Lowe, and Travis Smith. Thank you all for being patrons. We sincerely appreciate it. So now, uh, Stephen and Dave. Yeah. So Dave and I on uh, last Sunday, this Sunday, Mm, Sunday, (laughs) uh, played us a little bit of social distancing Titanicus. Uh, It's much easier when you have volcano cannons. (laughs) but we, we, Dave set up his table in his garage, and uh, we stayed six feet apart from each other and rolled dice and had a real fun time. Dave played his Legio Griffonicus, and I played my Legio Infernus, and oh boy, <laughs> it got real crazy real quick. We played. Uh, we we actually were using it some did. of the it, what, it really it, did Mornival stuff, isn't it, Dave, or is it Adepticon? It what we were using some of the rules oh. from the Mornival, the Oz thirty K guys, the cards. That's what it is. Yep. Yep. And yeah. Yeah, the the Mornival guys really hats off to them because they really improved on what was already a fantastic game. Um, they put a little more variety in the types of missions and the types of objectives that you can play. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dave and I both secretly picked our objective. Uh, in this instance, we ended up picking the same one, which was to kill the enemy Princeps Senioris, the enemy warlord. Uh, and then I think we both had some little minor objectives with that. But neither of us knew that, so we just started throwing down, and then it became pretty obvious what the objectives were when our two seniors were just throwing volleys of plasma and lasers at each other. Uh, Dave played a Regia Battleline Maniple, and I played an Axiom Maniple. And it was... I honestly thought that I had the upper hand pretty much the entire game until, I don't know, the middle of turn four. Dave's uh, Dave's combat phase Uh-oh. for turn four. Your hubris, and yeah, then it all went bad. I don't remember quite exactly what it was, what one thing triggered it, but it felt like it was just one really bad round of shooting that I I didn't strip any shields, I didn't do any damage. Uh, oh, I know what it was. It was <laughs> one warhound with one shield left going under the voids to full 
command, so uh, two up save for everything, but on a one, shields burn out, can't come back. And that one little warhound with that one little shield tanked the entire maniple of oh, shooting. Wow. <laughs> and it's true. And amazingly, didn't lose the shield. It's true. Like, even the last volley of weapons fired yeah. didn't take the shield off. It was improbable to the point where Steven and I just looked at each other and we were like, I think after the fourth roll, right, of, of just all voids to full or voids to full, um, I said, I can't stop doing this. At this point, <laughs> the engine sears literally fused to the, like, the grid, right? He's melted into it, and I just, I mean, I have to keep going, man. I can't he stop. He physically cannot turn the shields <laughs> off. <laughs> it was... Yeah. And first it was like, all right, ten rockets, pew! Okay, well, that was a little mathematically unlikely, but, you know, it's only one volley. Gatling cannon! Volcano cannon. Wow, this guy's really hanging in there. Okay, <laughs> more rockets. More Vulcan bolters. It's pulling oh, yeah. a Master Skywalker yeah. there at the it end. Was huh? just, yeah, it was... It, uh, brushing off his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like. And smoke pouring out of the cockpit. Just And uh, that whole time, here comes... Dave used one of the Titans of Legend, the Griffonicus uh, Bellator Magno. Yes, Bellator yeah. Magno. Bellator Magno slowly making its way up the flank, and I look over there and I realize, oh no, Bellator Magno next turn is going to come around the corner when he comes and just volcano cannon me in the back. <laughs> and that's exactly what Bellator Magno did. Uh, put one shot straight through the reactor of my Princeps Senioris uh, Adventus Malevolentia, and... The Titan exploded, as one does when one is a Titan, and gutted two other Reavers that were, before that moment, full health. There were so many improbable things. The whole battle line just went in one explosion. Yeah, there there were so many improbable events in that game. I I feel like Steven was was probably robbed multiple times over uh, of, 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 of a you know, of a victory um, that was within grasp. I was playing Graphonicus very thematically um, because I wanted to test out the rules. It was only my third time out with Graphonicus. And Graphonicus has this great rule that's both very thematic and cinematic on the table, um, which is, uh, what is it? Lust for glory. Lust for glory, yep. Yeah. So your princeps, and it can be the princeps of each titan. So each, basically, each titan can call out an enemy titan on the battlefield. And then that becomes sort of this, like, this vendetta, right? So you've got this honor grudge that you, you've you um, sort of singled out this titan for vengeance or retribution. And uh, you get plus one uh armor rolls so if you're if you're able to get through the shields you, you get plus one to the strength of whatever weapon you're firing um and you get to re-roll once uh which is really amazing for warlords with that apocalypse missile launchers or i mean even anything you know, hell, really really anything <laughs> right because it could make it could mean the difference between a bellicosa cannon uh going going wide or getting a re-roll and being dead on so it's a great rule. What it means, though, is no other Titan can target that Titan. Because as soon as another Titan, it could even be a Warhound, 
Um, so if any other Titan targets that Titan, you lose that um, advantage. So it makes you play Graphonicus very thematically, and I wanted to stick to that for as long as possible. Uh, the other thing is the Regia battle line um, is two Warlords and three Warhounds, and those Warhounds, they're considered sort of like the, the consorts. They're the, um, the, the consorts of, of the King and the Queen. So they can share Void Shields within three inches of either warlords which creates this like massive bubble of void shields around these two um warlords which is what you sort of i think you you know you're trying to take them down steven started out the game saying i'm gonna take these fucking warlords down i've got mass firepower i'm gonna just single them out when i think what he very quickly realized is no i need to single out the warhound titans and start taking out these little shield generators right um, it's like the, it's like the war on Endor, right? You're taking down the shield <laughs> generator so the rest of the fleet can attack. Um, but those little warhounds, man, this little warhound that could, you know, he just kept rolling fucking twos and, uh, the shields never went down. And so that was improbable, but it did allow me to sort of close the distance. And then the other thing Graphonicus has as a princeps trait which I waited the whole, almost oh, the whole man. yes, it, it, and this really became crazy. So it's called Reckless Maverick. Um, <laughs> Graphonicus on its princeps traits, you can choose from three. I can't remember what the other two are, but one is Reckless Maverick, and it allows you once per game uh, to basically double activate in either the movement phase or the combat phase and so you you get to go twice um you either get to move twice or you get to shoot twice or in the close combat phase you get to attack twice right but you move the reactor three spaces to the right so three spaces closer to red so i had this quandary uh, my Princeps Senioris was facing Steven's Princeps Senioris across the table. I think I was three pips away from the farthest right hand. You know, the re I was in the red. I was going to be in the red if I did this. And I was like, no, man. The, the name of the Princeps trait is Reckless Maverick. I'm playing Legio Graphonicus. It was very thematic. <laughs> like do this now then i just shouldn't be playing this legio it's like i have to do this this is what this was written for and i fucking did it and i was like it's cool i'll be fine i can save it in um the next orders phase because all i need is to do an emergency repair order and i'll be fine you know I'll, I'll just you know i've got i was playing a stratagem out of shadow and iron which gave me an extra repair die it's like senior engine seer even though he sucked the whole game. It's the worst senior senior engine seer in like the whole video. <laughs> <Yeah>, he, <laughs> like, he was so not bad. Doing it. So but I was like, I'll be fine. Like it's my Princeps Senioris. He's in a warlord. All I need is a two or better on a D ten. <laughs> I'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong, right? Literally so I fucking I do this. And I'm like, and so I get the double shot off, Sun Fury Plasma Annihilator. Like, I can't maximal fire it, though, because if I roll ones, it's like, oh, man, I've just blown myself up, right? And so, you, had just, you had actually just forfeited the claim, too. So 
Yeah. Didn't get the rerolls. Yeah, so I was walking on very thin ice. There were so many times in this game I was walking on thin ice, but this was this was a particularly um, tense moment. And so um, I didn't maximal fire, but it was still worth it. Uh, and so I, I got to double activate. I couldn't even fire my Bellicosa cannon because I was like, well, fuck, man, if I roll anything but for free, I'll blow myself up. So... But it was, it was still worth it. And so I was like, no, I'll be fine. I'm going to emergency repair at the beginning of the next turn. Well, so next turn comes around, I roll a one. So now I'm on the reactor overload table, literally rolling a D10. Anything more than a six, I blow myself up. I'm done, right? This is like, this is it, dude. I blow myself up. So I roll a one again. I was like, oh, oh my wow. God. Yeah. So I get like yeah. a what? A body shot? I don't even yeah, remember. Yeah, you took a body shot. And Bell, uh, Bellator Magno did the same thing. Bellator Magno was also pushing it real hot. Bellator he Magno was also red. in the red. He was in the red. Um, no, he was in the orange. He was in the orange. So he had to roll a d6. And I, he maybe took a couple body shots. But but yeah, I mean, it was the game of improbable odds. Uh, I think yeah, Steven I think played you, it. You yeah. rode the red with several titans the entire game i did i did yeah there was no reason i should have walked away from that game with like i think i lost a few nights um and it was just i mean that's the way it goes sometimes man but how many points was, was that game 2500 it was it was 2500 yeah like no titans had died at all just knights until bellator magno took that shot and killed three with one hit <laughs> Yeah, I don't even think it was Bellator Magno. I think Bellator Magno did a lot of damage. And then it was actually my Princeps who got the final kill shot and just the ricochet, the ripple effect of it going through Steven's ranks. Steven rolled a 10 for... Yeah, it was catastrophic meltdown yep. followed by a wildfire and then another wildfire. And the just Titans falling down. The whole, like, like I said, the whole core of the battle line just went up in smoke in one shot. Yeah. Which was, it was pretty wild. It definitely <laughs> illustrated, uh, so amongst the objectives and the little expansion things that the Morneval did for Titanicus, they also made a modification to the Voids to Full rule. Um, voids to Full being, again, uh, all your saves are two up, but if you roll a one, you burn your shields out for good. Uh, the Mortable adjusted that slightly to where if you roll a six when you're doing voids to full, your reactor heats up by one little pip. So that was actually... Uh, that been... So it heats up as opposed to losing all your shields? Yes. Okay. So you pass the save on a six, but you get heat for doing so. Gotcha. And, um, I mean, you get a save. You get the save on a two up, but six mm -hmm. is heat up. Is mm -hmm. it just once or for each six you roll? For each six. No, no, no. It's just it's just once. And so, actually, Stephen, that was that was um, the Graying Legion did that for their Adepticon oh, Adept well. Titanicus event. But I way, totally agree. It it should be incorporated because if not, then there is no downside to going. Yeah, because um, when you yeah. when you're on your last shield, and especially late game, yeah, of course you're going to take like, it. There's cause... no downside to going voids to full, and yeah. just tanking all that hot all those hits on a uh, on your two up. 
There's some and very good changes that are coming out from. Exploded. Yeah, yeah. No, there's some very good changes that are coming out through. I think a lot of like um, the 30k Adeptus Titanicus groups. Mm-hmm. So like um, the Graying Legion guys, uh, Ty specifically, put a lot of work into this Adepticon event that didn't happen. But I think a lot of the rules are sort of filtering out there. Um, and I hope to see those incorporated. I, you know, it's, it's cool to see the convergence, right? Cause like what the Oz 30 K guys and the, the Morn of all guys are, are doing for their AT events sort of echo, I think what, um, some folks over here are doing and I, I, and actually sort of echo what's coming out in shadow and iron for campaign rules. Um, so I am really excited to see sort of. Adeptus Titanic has come, I think, sort of back into balance. Yeah, and if you really like those changes and people out there, if they like them as well, best let Forge World know because they're all they are listening. They say they're listening. If you give them input, like, hey, this is how we run our games, and we find this works out a whole lot better. Adeptus Titanicus Second Edition, maybe in the works down <laughs> in the future. You never know. Yeah, yeah. I think some things are sort of common sense. Um, but we'll start to put them into play more regularly um, in our games. Definitely that uh, if you roll a six, you, you, you move up one on the reactor table. Um, that's definitely something that's going to happen. I think getting the Vulcan Mega Bolter on the Arioch Power Claw. Um, oh, that'd be great. So, so the Grang Legion guys did that for free. Um, the Oz30K guys do it for plus 10 points. Um, I think you can, you figure out what the right point point value is for you guys, but I will say that putting an Arioch Power Claw on a Warlord Titan is a huge sacrifice. Huge cool points, but huge fucking Big sacrifice. Big sacrifice. Right, because yeah. you, you, you lose you ranged weapon for, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah. for, <laughs> a, for something that's moving four to six inches um, yeah. a, a turn. So Put two that's, claws that, on there. <laughs> yeah, to crazy people do that. Yeah, uh, Wolverine Lord, it'll be great. <laughs> That's right, great Claw Lord. But, but yeah, uh, it, yeah, it was a fun game. It was real good, real good, neat. It was, it was great. It was good to scratch that itch, and um, very cool to see some of the rules I hadn't seen for um, the Trader Legions, like Dark Blessing. Stephen, is that something that only? Um, your Legio gets, or is that something that yeah, any it's only uh, it's only Legio and Furnace, um, but it's only five points, and it's a being a piece of war gear. You can buy it for uh, the do-it-yourself legions. Uh, for in Furnace Titans, it's pretty much an auto include. Like there's there's no reason to not take it. Yeah, it was really good. It saved Steven so many times. It saved Steven from like. Oh man, losing the last void shield to losing a command check that was really critical um, to man, it saved you. I just think it saved you so many times. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it, it's it saved me. And like at first, you think the Titan gets a single reroll, so you're like, okay, well, you think maybe use it for a hit, use it for a damage hit or a damage roll, uh, use it for a shield save. But then you kind of think a little outside of that box, and you're like, ooh, I can use it to re-roll hit location. I can use it to re-roll awakened machine spirit, reactor die. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's some 
whenever you play on some of the hostile battlefields, there's some battlefields where you will effectively put your foot like through the ground, um, or the Mornival or the Adepticon campaign has a battlefield that's like submerged. It's um, water up to like Titan's knees and stuff, and you can accidentally step into a sinkhole and go up to your shoulders. You can re-roll stuff like that. Like any roll that that one Titan might have to make, it can re-roll, and that's that's so useful. Very cool. Well, guys, we're uh, we've run past an hour and ten minutes now. So, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap this up? No, I think we're just uh, just about done. Cool. All right. Well, once again, I don't have to say this stuff anymore. I don't have to dig around for that paper. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Will, just individual you, plugs, huh? Right, right. Will, you got any plugs? Just the usual stuff. Lancaster painting. You can see updates for the Ultramarines. You mean Forgebreaker painting? Uh, oh, wait. What did I say? The old Lancaster painting. Lancaster? Oh, yeah. Dang it. No, it's Forgebreaker painting. It's 2020, yeah. man. It's Forgebreaker painting. Oh, I got to get with it. <laughs> 2020 as well. All right. Um, but yeah, that's it, man. Check that out. I got um, some pictures will be going up tonight, actually. Awesome. Uh, Can't wait to see the they, Ultramarines. Yeah. it's uh, They're trucking along, dude. So Very cool. Mm-hmm. Steven, how about yourself? Um, you know, I would, uh, I don't really have much to plug, but I would like to say that right now, in 2020, uh, the world is filled with darkness, but you know what? Remember that it's also filled with multicolored frogs. Okay, Dave, you got anything? (laughs) I do not have any plugs, but I do want to say thank you to all of our Patreons. I think we've... I've been able to interact with all of our Patreons in some shape or form um, over the last couple of weeks, which has been super cool, man. Uh, we did a little Discord hangout on Heresy Grad School, and I got to talk to, like, um, live, in person, uh, a bunch of our Patreons, and that was really rewarding. And I, I just want to say thank you to you guys for coming on and hanging out. Um sharing some of your thoughts with us and definitely look forward to doing that again. Uh, Garrett, thank you for your question. Um, Garrett's a super cool guy. I got to hang out with him in Adepticon last year. Oh, nice. Uh, and, uh, yeah, super. Yeah. Very cool. Um, keep those questions coming and thank you for your support. All right. And, uh, Austin had to back out a little bit early, but he says hi. And, uh, with everything, going on y'all stay safe out there and keep those dice rolling and we'll see you next time how good